This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to carry on this morning talking about worship. And um, what I want to focus on is I want to focus on when we worship Him, we to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Worship is one of the most, if not the most powerful tool you have in your personal arsenal. um, I've really developed a a much deeper appreciation value for what worship is all about and how it actually works. And so really what I want to do today is talk. I kind of set a platform last week by giving a a broad overview of things. But what I want to do today is get into the nuts and bolts of how God actually created this to work and why it's so powerful. Because God wants to partner with us. And in that partnership, there's an interesting thing because partnership is always about at least two people coming together. And so what I want to do, first of all, is start having a look at God's side of things because he's part of it. And so what is God all about and how is God working? And, and, and in that space, get some idea about something specifically, which I'll get into in a minute. But then there's us as well. Important part for us is the worship component because that is a way in which we're able to link in a meaningful way with God to bring about and to experience the fullness of life that he's made available to us. That point of overlap between God and us defines what we call our fellowship with God. And the most important part of our fellowship with God is worship. And I'll speak about that, why it's so important and what it really does for us. So now I'm kind of talking in circles. So stop blabbering about and let's get to the point. So I want to start reading um, from John chapter 1. And I want to read verses one to four. And it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. So let's dissect this a little bit. Something that is really important to me about this entire verse, there are a few key words that are are, are vital to us. Number one is life. Everything that has to do with God has to do with life. God's focus with us is life. God's intention with with us is birthing life. Everything with God has to do with life. So how is he going to do this? From God's perspective, there's an interesting, there's so much in this, you could go forever, but I want to focus on one thing in particular, which is, The word was with God and the word was God. The word was with God and the word was God. Now we know that it's talking about Jesus. What I want to do is this. I want to speak about word in the context of God reveals himself through his word. God reveals himself through his word. The reason that word is so important and part of the reason that he speaks about the word was God is because the word has the very nature and life of God on the inside of it. And so when we look at that word with God, the two of them are equal. They're indistinguishable one from the, from the other, and yet they're distinct. So what we're saying is God is going to use this thing called word to reveal himself to us. So when we have a look at word, there's something quite interesting about it because words carry within them an idea or a concept. So, you know, if somebody gives you something, the word communicates the idea. It's what we would call the logos. It's it's the word. It's the idea in there. But with God, God is far more consequential because God doesn't just limit words to an idea. But God's words carry within them life. It is the power of vitality, the power to animate, the power to take that concept and birth it. And so God's words are quite important because the thing about it is when we talk about truth, what we're talking about is not just an idea, but an idea that has been ignited with the power of life so that it is alive. John chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, when the spirit of truth is come, he will lead you into all truth. When the spirit of truth is come, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is when the Holy Spirit has come, 
What he will do is he will lead you into all truth. I'm going to speak a little bit more about truth later, but what you need to understand about truth right now is this. Truth is a more elevated and has a deeper context to it than just comprehension and understanding of an idea. When God talks about truth, what he's talking about is he's talking about that concept ignited with life and taking on a life and a vitality of its own. Okay? Are you with me this morning? Okay, if I lose you, just wave your hands and say, stop talking gibberish, come back to earth. So it's really important because... The, the, the reason that we have the spirit on the inside of us is because he's doing a work. He's taking something of God and he is imparting it to us. But he's not just giving us an idea of God. The purpose that he's here and the reason that he's here is to take the essence of the life of God and give it to us so that it's burst on the inside of us. It's ignited on the inside of us and it becomes a living entity on the inside of who we are. So... The Logos and the Rhema. And I was thinking a little bit about this and why it is pertinent and why it's relevant. And I, I want to tell you why I think it is. Because the thing is, anytime you have a look at the things of God and we try and understand the things of God, which is nothing wrong with that, what we do is we're engaging the Logos. So if we have a look at God, at Jesus historically, we know that, you know, there are records that Jesus lived and Jesus did a whole bunch of stuff. And so we, are, we understand that he was around and we're discovering words and uh, so, uh, some understanding through stories about who he was and what he did and what he professed. And who, we're learning all of this stuff. It's all logos. It's nothing wrong with it. It's good, but it's information. It's content. Okay. The difference is this. Although we're learning about Jesus, which is Logos, when Jesus opens his mouth and says, waves be still, when Jesus speaks as the originator of the word, it comes with power. When I speak about God, when I try and understand God, it doesn't come with power. It comes with comprehension to some degree, but it doesn't come with power. Power comes when God speaks. Power comes when Jesus says, storms be still. All of a sudden, the idea of what needs to happen comes with the life and the power which enables that to take place. The point is this. Part of the reason that Jesus brought about a change in dispensation was because under the law, all that could happen is I could try and understand the things of God. So all I could do is live from the Logos, but it was devoid of power and life. The reason I couldn't make any meaningful change in my life was because I understood it and I tried to live it, but I could never achieve it. So what he said to me is this, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to take who I am and the word is going to become flesh and the word is going to dwell among you and the word is going to die and he's going to be resurrected so that he can come and the word in the form of the spirit of Christ can dwell on the inside of you. And the reason it's important that he dwells on the inside of you is because the spirit has a voice and when the spirit speaks, he doesn't speak logos, he speaks rhema. That's why the spirit is so important in our life because it comes from the mouth of God. And when it comes from the mouth of God, it comes with power and it comes with life. That's why the Holy Spirit isn't interested in trying to introduce you to concepts. He's trying to introduce you to the life of what that's all about. That's why he says the flesh profits nothing. The spirit gives life. What he's saying is don't pursue the wrong thing. There's nothing wrong with pursuing an understanding of God as long as you don't just rest there, but you understand that ultimately the invitation is not a cerebral understanding of things, but it's to try and discover and to find life. John chapter 4 verse 22 says, the first part of the verse, my words are life to those who find them. My words are life to those who find them. There are two interesting things about this verse. The first thing he says is this. It's not your words. Not your thoughts. Not your ideas. Not your concepts. My words. My words. What is he saying? Rhema is everything. Unless I say it, you're never going to get the life of it. What he's saying is, number one, understand what you're pursuing. I want to hear your voice. 
I want to get into fellowship with you. I want to get into a place where I have a meaningful relationship with you. Why? Because I need to hear your voice. Because when you speak, life comes. When you speak, it comes with power. When you speak, what ends up happening is the thing that you put on the inside of me brings about change and transformation. When I speak, it doesn't happen. I know what I should be, but it doesn't come with the power. So he says, my words are life to those who find them. There's a responsibility and an onus on us. What he's saying is your default, because you're human, is to go back to the way that you, your brain and your understanding of things. But he said, that's not where you're going to find it. You're going to find it when you get to the, the spirit on the inside of you. Part of our responsibility when we become born again believers is understanding the fact that the very life of God has come and it's dwelling on the inside of who I am. And my responsibility is to sit and say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I want to meet with you. I want to engage with you. I want to have relationship. I want to have fellowship with you. And in that space, as I connect with you and as I meet with you, I get to hear your voice. And when I get to hear your voice, I found them. I found them. You're not going to find his voice out there. You're not going to find his voice listening to it on television. You're not going to find his voice anywhere apart from on the inside here. That's where he lives. That is the dispensation that we live in. Everything comes from the inside outwards. So if we want to energize our Christianity, if we want to live from a new dimension, it becomes important for us to recognize that and begin to explore our inner world with him. His words are powerful because his words are creative. In creation in Genesis, it says, and God said, let there be light. What happened was this. Jesus never said light be and bang, light appeared from somewhere. That's not what happened. What happened was this. Jesus said, light be. And the very concept of light was in the words that he said. And the life and the power to energize light was in the word. It burst out of the word. And what ended up happening is light was given a vitality and took on form because it was birthed out of the word. It wasn't separate from the word. The vitality of everything God gives you is inside of the word. That's why very often what the analogy that, that is drawn between the word of God is a seed. Why? Because the life is in the seed. You can't make the life happen. All you have to do is plant the seed. If you plant the seed and you water the seed, the life that's in the seed will come out. It's the same thing with the word of God. The word of God is living and vital. It's full of life and it wants to do something in your life. The thing is, you don't have to go and make it happen. If you can hear his voice and allow him to plant it inside of who you are, inside of your heart, what will happen is it comes with not only the concept, but the very power to ignite the life that's on the inside of it. And I will become that and begin to live from that. God used words to create the world. And he's going to use exactly the same concept to create your world. It all comes from words. Not just any words, rhema words. Words that come from the mouth of God. Words that come from the spirit of Christ that's living on the inside of us. That's sitting saying, I want to be able to relate to you. I want to be able to connect with you. I want you to be able to hear the voice, the words that I speak to you. So we start to explore this and we start to have a look at some things. So I want to have a look at John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. And it says... But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So God, as a creative being, as a being who is, whose nature is life is wanting to use words that come from who he is to create who we are and our world. That's what he's putting out. 
And what he's saying is, I'm looking for somebody who will come in from the other direction. And what I'm looking for you to do is, I'm looking for you to meet me and engage me and allow those words to be planted inside of who you are. And the mechanism that he's designed to do that is something called worship. Worship. Those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. So there are a few things here that are important. Number one, I'm trying to give you some practical steps so that we can engage this stuff. Number one, understand that everything that God does originates in and has its root in his love for us. And because he loves you, he wants to be a part of your life. And he wants for you to engage with him and be a part of his life. And so relationship becomes really, really important. Relationship is our ability to be able to relate to the Father, to be able to relate to the Spirit of Christ on the inside of who we are. It's not just about relating, but it's about fellowship. The difference between relating and fellowship is, relating is, I understand he's in there, and what are my points of connection with him? Fellowship says, you know what? I want to spend time with you, and so that I can get to discover you. I want to spend time with you so that I can explore who you are. I want to spend time with you because I want to create opportunities to hear what you have to say and to allow your voice into my life. So I create a space called fellowship. But the highest expression of fellowship, the highest expression of putting a value on my time spent with you is worship. We spoke a little bit about this last week. The reason for that is this. Value is when something has significance and importance in my life. That's valuable. So you can decide what's valuable to you. The point is you may sit and say, I really value the fact that I have the spirit of Christ on the inside of me. And that's good. But worth is different. Worth speaks about the cost or the price that you're prepared to pay to realize something. In other words, I'm glad that I'm born again. I'm glad that I've got the spirit of Christ living on the inside of me. But what price are you prepared to pay to get to know him? What price are you prepared to pay so that you allow him to have influence in your life? It's not a case of me having to earn it. It's a case of recognizing the fact that because he's here, what I want to do is I want to make provision for him. I want to set aside time for him. I want to be intentional about sitting saying, you're not only of value to me, but you're of so much worth that I'm going to do these things because I want to get to know you. Not only do I want to get to know you, but worship always comes with a price. That's called sacrifice. I'm going to speak about it in a minute. But sacrifice is all about sitting, saying, you know what? It's not just about you. But the thing is, I know that you want to do some stuff in me. The thing is, I've got some ideas and some opinions about me. I've got some thoughts about who I am and what I'm. And the thing is, am I prepared to take that and sacrifice it so that his will can be realized in that space? So the highest form of fellowship is really worship because what worship says is I'm making myself available to the influence of you in my life. I'm prepared to surrender all parts of who I am and what I'm about because I want for you to come into that space and give redefinition to it. I want for you to come into that space and for you to ignite that with your life. That's what worship does. You will discover your destiny when we live a life of worship. Your destiny is to be conformed to the image of Christ. I cannot be conformed to the image of Christ if I try to do it in my own understanding. The way that I'm conformed to the image of Christ is through worship. The way that I'm conformed to the image of Christ is when I spend with regularity time with the Spirit on the inside of me and I sit and say, I know that you've got a plan and you've got a purpose for my life and all that you're doing in my life with regularity is equipping me and changing me and transforming me into the image of Christ so that I am equipped to fulfill your purpose in my life. He's doing some stuff inside of me. He's changing some stuff inside of me. He's altering some things on the inside of me so that I can live from Christ in me. It's not a concept. It's a life. Come on. 
It's not just a simple idea. It's something that comes with power behind it. It's something that's transformational because when the spirit of Christ comes, it pushes other things out of the way, but you got to give it permission to come into that space. If I don't give it permission, I'm not prepared to sacrifice it. There's some people who are not prepared to sacrifice some stuff. Not prepared to sacrifice some stuff. So that becomes really important. So he starts talking about the fact that spirit and truth become consequential. Spirit and truth become consequential. It's not enough just to say, Father, you know what? I want to worship you. But he says there is a way to do this. Funny thing is, the Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And I believe really what that's talking about is this. It's kind of like a car. Like, I've got no clue about how a car functions. <laughs> I really just, I know where the key goes in. I know where the ignition is. And I know where the accelerator and the brake is. And that's about it. But it just does its thing. The problem with it is, if something happens, I don't know how to fix it. If something goes wrong with the engine, I don't know how to correct it. So I find myself, I, I, I need some help. I'm perishing. Sometimes that's what happens with God. The thing is, God has a way that he works. And it's important for us to understand the way God works, because if we don't understand the way God works, we want to meet God how we want to do it. We want to do, experience the things of God the way that we want to do it. And so what ends up happening is we become disillusioned because the delivery is not there. And I don't really understand it. And God's saying, it's just because you don't understand how it is that I want to work with you. When you understand that and you understand how the car goes, you realize you just got to pull the battery out and put a new one in and everything works all over again. It was just a simple fix. I just didn't understand it. So it's important for us to understand how God is working all the time. Spirit and truth. So I want to explore those two concepts a little bit. I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 3 and I'm going to read it out of the Passion. For we have already experienced heart circumcision. Are you born again? Okay, everybody is born again. You have the spirit of Christ living on the inside of you. So what he's saying is he's talking to you now. And we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit. Not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done. And not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. Okay, spirit and truth. Let's deal with spirit first. The whole point about it is the concept of worship and spirit and truth was inaugurated when the spirit arrived. Jesus left and the spirit arrived. It wasn't possible before then. What happened was Jesus was in the flesh. He said, it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the spirit can't come. What he was saying is, I'm wanting not for you to know about who I am. I'm not wanting for you to look at Jesus and understand who I am. Because the problem with it is, I can't change your heart. That was the problem with the Old Testament. So what he was saying is, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I go away, what ends up happening is the Spirit can come. And when the Spirit comes, the Spirit is not outside of you. The Spirit is inside of you. And the Spirit communicates with us spirit to spirit. And so... In that space, the spirit realizes and the spirit gets the opportunity to fulfill the purpose for which the spirit was sent to conform you to the image of Christ. That's what he's there for. And in that space, what he will always do is he will take the things of Christ and he will introduce them to us. He will speak them to us. The purpose that the Holy Spirit is inside of who we are so that he can take all of that Christ has made available to us and he can inject it into our lives so that we can live from Christ in me. It's when Christ is born in me that I can sit and say I can live from the hope of glory. But I have to have him born on the inside of me. The biggest threat to the life of worship in the spirit is the flesh. The biggest threat to the life of worship in the spirit is the flesh. Now, the thing that's funny about that is the reason it's hard is because it's so subtle. Because the flesh always presents itself as me. I feel like doing this. 
I want to do that. What was the problem that Adam had? He was happy and he was living with God. And while he was living with God, there wasn't a problem. Until one day, the flesh rose up and was tempted and said, I will become like God. I will go and do my thing. I will form my own throne. I will make my own way. I will do what I want to do. And so what ended up happening is what came into that space was sin. What is sin? Sin is sitting and saying, I don't want to go God's way. I've got a better way of doing it. I'm going my own way. And so it separates us from God. God's going this way because he's that's God's way and that's his plan and that's his purpose but I want to do my own thing and so I separate myself from God what he's saying is this the flesh always wants to do its own thing and with regularity God will come into a space and God will introduce you to what it is that he's wanting to do and the first thing that'll happen is the flesh I come out what happened when God met with Moses at the burning bush God meets with him and says, Moses, I've got, a great, I've got a great plan. And you know what? You are going to be the one who's going to fulfill it. You're going to be the one who's going to go in and you're going to liberate Israel and let them give them freedom out of, of Egypt. And God's thinking, this is a great idea. You know that I'm with you. I'm talking to you in a burning bush. And what's the first thing Moses says? Not glory be, Lord. I'm so excited. Let's get going. He says, but what happened? The flesh came out. God wants to do something in Moses and through Moses. And the first thing that Moses says is, but God, you don't understand. I'm not capable. I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. I've got a stutter. I've got a, we do that with God with regularity. What he's saying is, will you sacrifice it? That's where sacrifice comes in. Sacrifice says, you know what? The I that's in that place is not as important as what God wants to do. But I make that choice all the time. With regularity, God wants to come into a space and say, you know what, I would like for you to take this, go with it, try it, but I don't feel like I can. What's just happened? The flesh has got a voice and the flesh has come out and the flesh has said, you know what, in the natural, you're not capable of doing that. Don't you remember this? Don't you remember the history? Don't you remember your failures? Don't you remember your past? I'm saying, but to God and God's saying, that's inconsequential. What I'm inviting you into is to something new. Do you want it? What are you going to sacrifice? Because something gets sacrificed on the altar. Either the invitation or the history. Something gets sacrificed. Every time God extends an invitation to us, there is a sacrifice that takes place. Either me or him. But very often what ends up happening is people sacrifice what God wants for their life because they're not at a place where they're prepared to die to self. I think this. The most important thing I can ever suggest to you is this. Stay humble and humility speaks about you. Not Holy Spirit, introduce me to truth. Not your interpretation of what the word is. Let the Holy Spirit take you and let the Holy Spirit introduce you to what that really means. And when you allow the Holy Spirit to do that, what ends up happening is he's going to invite you to participate in it. And very often it's going to collide with what your history has been. Very often it's going to collide with what you think about yourself and where you are. But that doesn't really matter. The thing about it is, if you will allow him to come into that space, if you're prepared to sit and say, Holy Spirit, I'm prepared to sacrifice who I am so that I can realize you, what ends up happening is I get out of that space and it makes room for the spirits to come in and to birth the life of Christ in that space. What happens when God meets with Abraham? The reason that Abraham was the father of faith, was because when God met with him, God said, you know what, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life, Abraham. I'll tell you what I want you to do. And he starts to speak to him. And one of the things he says to him is, you know what, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. 90 years of age. And it says, but Abraham considered not. You know what it's saying? Abraham never said but to God. He had plenty of reasons to say to God, but you don't understand. 
Do you realize how old I am? But you don't understand. Do you realize my wife is past childbearing age? But, 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 but. He had plenty of reasons to say but, but he didn't say but. What he did was he was prepared to say, I'll sacrifice my buts so that the promise that you've given me can be birthed on the inside of who I am. If you want the promise of God to be birthed on the inside of your life, we must be prepared to get to the place where we're going to sacrifice our butt. Just saying. If we're not prepared to sacrifice it, we can't walk into it. In a meaningful way, understand this. Worship is not passive. Worship is active and it's dynamic. Worship is not a Sunday encounter. It is a moment-by-moment lifestyle lived in relationship with the Spirit on the inside of me. It is not passive. I can't come in on a Sunday and sit and say, glory be and shamatata and hallelujah. And though that moment is right, and I don't want to take away from it, and I don't mean to belittle it in any way. But what I'm saying to you is this, that moment is an outward expression. It, it is a moment of thanksgiving and praise for everything that's happened over the week. But I don't get my week's supply from 20 minutes of praise and worship. That is an outpouring of everything that I've got. A lifestyle of worship is all about living in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, being sensitive to him. So I'm aware of the fact that I have the very life of God on the inside of me. And that life is living and vibrant. And that, that life has an influence in every day. And as I'm moving through life, what ends up happening is I'm sensitive to his promptings. I feel something on the inside of me. My conscience picks up. Something that says, oh, oh. What is it saying? There's an invitation here. There's an invitation. You don't have to deal with this the way you've always dealt with this. You don't have to walk forward the way that you're walking right now. You don't have to go forward in the fear that you have right now. There's an invitation. It's an invitation to worship. To stop for a moment and sit and say, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice in this place. And in that moment, I engage something called repentance. You know what repentance is? Holy Spirit, I thank you for bringing to my awareness the fact that I'm living from something which is not of you. I hate the way I feel doing this. I feel guilty after my actions doing this. So I don't want that anymore. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to repent. Repentance is turning around from where you've been. You sit and say, you know what? I want to thank you for the power of the blood of Christ that comes in and cleanses me from this. And it frees me and it liberates me so that, Holy Spirit, I can come to you in this place and I invite you, Holy Spirit, to take the truth of what you've offered me right now. And I invite you to take that truth and to birth that life on the inside of me. It's not something which is static. It's not a concept. It's not an idea. It's a living, vital life that's birthed on the inside of you. Don't tell me. When you talk about the fruit, the, the fruit of the Spirit, what he's talking about is, I want you to experience my nature. I want you to know what that means. So he doesn't just tell you to be a good, loving person. It doesn't help because it doesn't change my nature. It's a concept. It's logos. I've got to get with the Holy Spirit. I've got to say, Holy Spirit, I need to hear your voice because I don't just want the concept. I've got to have the life and the power that comes with it. Birth on the inside of me, the love of Christ. Because when I have that birth on the inside of me, the first thing I'll do is I'll start to develop a love for myself. I always hated myself. I hated who I was because there were so many reasons. But when it's birthed inside of you, suddenly you see yourself not the way that you used to see yourself, but you see yourself through love, his love. And suddenly you realize, I'm lovable. I quite like me. 
Why? Because what's been birthed inside of me is living and vital, and it's having influence. And when it changes me, what happens is I live from a different place. So I'm not judgmental and critical and condescending about other people. I suddenly realize I start to see other people the way he does. And so I don't appraise them by their actions or their words. I see their heart. And despite all of the stuff in their life, it doesn't matter. You just have love for them. Why? Because you couldn't do that in and of yourself. He had to birth something in you. Joy, peace, patience, goodness, righteousness, long-suffering, faith. What is he doing? He's taking the things that are so important to him, those things that define his being and what he's sitting saying, I'm not only going to give you my nature to redefine who you are, but I want you to know something. I'm going to also give you my promises. I'll give you my promises. Spirit is vital because spirit is the life giver. But it's not only in spirit. It's also in truth. Uh, what's I going to read him? For we really experience hard circumstances. And we worship God in the power and the freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Christ has done and not what we can accomplish in our own strength. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. Spirit. And now we talk about truth. Truth. We live in a natural kingdom. Man lives in a natural kingdom. And in that natural kingdom, you create nothing and you birth nothing. You do not have the capacity in the kingdom, in the natural kingdom, to bring into existence new life. We do not have, as man, the capacity to introduce and to create something new. What we do is we take the raw materials, the substance of that kingdom, and we use that substance and the life that is in that substance by applying our influence. And so we create, and so something is produced. There's a difference about between creating and producing. You see, the thing is, as people who produce, what we do is we are completely dependent on gaining substance from the environment in order to do something. There is nothing that you can create in the natural kingdom. Nothing. Everything that man does in the natural kingdom is completely dependent on having material or substance with the life of that substance on the inside of it in order to do something. So you decide that what you want to do is you're going to grow corn. What ends up happening? You can't create corn. We don't have the capacity and the ability to be able to create. What do we have to do? We go to get the material, the substance of corn seed. And what we do is we take something of substance from the natural kingdom and we utilize that and we use our influence. We go out and we till the soil and we get the, the, the ground ready and we take the seed and we put the seed in the ground and we leave the seed on the inside of there and the life that is inside of the seed grows and produces. I had influence, but I never created I took something which was from the kingdom and I utilized that in order to produce something new. But I had to have substance. One thing that man has done incredibly over the years is architectural wonders, pyramids and all kinds of stuff. But you have a look at everything that's been created by man. Everything that we did, we had to go and we had to get material. We had to get substance in order to do that. 
Every block, every brick, every pillar, every bit of uh, stucco, every bit of drywall, every bit of wood, every bit of marble, every bit of glass, every, everything that were, that were the ingredients to creating what that, that architectural piece was going to be came from material in the natural kingdom. We never created anything. We produced. We had influence on it. And we produced, but we had to have material. Man can never produce, man can only ever reproduce. Man can never create. All he can do is take existing material and use that existing material to produce something. It's a principle, because what's important about that is this. It's not only a principle that extends to the natural kingdom, but if you have a look at truth, truth is a kingdom within the spirit world, and it applies exactly the same way. You see, the thing is, we cannot produce out of our spirit, because you don't have material. What I need is, I've got to get some spiritual material on the inside of me in order to do something with that. The reason that I have the spirit of Christ on the inside of me, because the spirit of Christ is the one who takes the things of Christ and births them on the inside of me. The vitality and the life of what the spirit gives me is birthed into my spirit. And what he's doing is he's giving me material from the kingdom of truth. And when that material is built on the inside of me, I have something on which to build my life. But I've got to get material, otherwise I can't build anything spiritually. Amen. I've got to get that from the Spirit. There are so many Christians who are trying desperately hard to try and produce things spiritually in their life. The problem is we don't have spiritual material because we've never engaged in worship. We're not at that place where we've recognized the value and the importance of establishing relationship with Christ, the spirit of Christ on the inside of me. I don't spend time engaging him. I don't allow him to influence that space so that he can take all that Christ is and spiritually birth it on the inside of me. Because when it's birthed on the inside of me, it gives me spiritual material, not only for who I am that begins to redefine who I am, but it becomes the foundation on which I build my life. It's not something which is just an idea. But when the Spirit takes the things of Christ, when the Spirit takes his words and introduces rhema, ideas charged with the power of life, into my spirit, what ends up happening is they take root in that space and life takes on a, a definition within me. That spirit life is something we call faith. That's what faith is. Faith is life from the kingdom of truth that is born on the inside of me. That's why faith is not an idea. Faith is not a law. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is life that is from the spirit of, from the kingdom of the spirit, the kingdom of truth that is alive on the inside of me. It's living and vital. That's why it was the life of what was inside of Abraham that kept him going. It wasn't that God gave me an idea that I could be this. That's not enough to sustain you. Ideas are good. Ideas can spark the imagination, but life will carry you through. I've got to have the life that God gives me because when it's birthed on the inside of me, it will not only sustain me, it's something that's living and dynamic and alive in me. What I want to encourage you to do is this. Because God was speaking to me about this. I was like, you know, it's great getting all of this stuff, but what do we actually do with it? When you understand how God works, this is a practical exercise for you that will change your life. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what challenges you have. I don't know what you're facing. Um, I don't know where you're looking for God to move in your life. But whatever that is, there is a subject there. Go and get the word relating to that subject. And go and get together with the Holy Spirit. 
And you sit and you read through the word and you meditate on the word and you engage with the word and you do it in the context of you and the Holy Spirit. And you sit in that place and you allow him to begin to speak to you and to communicate with you. Allow him to take the truth of what that is. And when he takes that truth and births it on the inside of you, you will know that you have it. Abel and I often laugh about this. It's like if you have to ask if you've got it, you haven't got it. If you've got it, you will know it. It's like, I just know. But how do you know? I, it doesn't matter. I, I can't explain to you. It's just alive in me. I know I have it. Amen. If you don't know that you have it, you haven't got that far. It's okay. What it means is just continue to spend time with the Holy Spirit. As you spend time with him, he takes the things of Christ and he births them on the inside of us. Why? Because he wants you to be the true image of what he's invited you and what he's designed for you to be. The thing is, you don't change your personality, but the fullness of that personality, without the barnacles, without the issues, without the problems, without the, it begins to reflect itself. And I gain a full recognition and appreciation for who I am in Christ. We're all different. We're not all going to look alike. It's a wonderful thing. Thank heavens. You're probably sitting saying, well, I don't want to look like him anyway. We're all going to be our own person. The thing about it is he's doing something in our lives. Is he working in your life? Do you feel life being birthed with regularity? Are you a different person that you used to be? When you look at yourself, I can't believe we're sitting in almost September. If you look at your life in January and we're sitting in September, are you a different person? Not because you've tried to be, but just because you've invested in relationship. Because you were prepared to sit and say, you know what? Your will, Father, is more important than mine. And if anything has to go onto the sacrificial block, it's not going to be your will. It's going to be mine. And as I begin to sacrifice my will for you, your will be done in my life. I begin to change, not because I'm making efforts to do that. It's because I'm opening up my, myself to the influence of the Spirit in a meaningful way. You will be a different person. We should be different people. We should be going from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Every time we take a step, what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to open a whole new spectrum of life to us. And it's like, I didn't even see that. I never saw things that way. What's been interesting for me in my, this is just my walk with God. Yours might be different. But my walk with God is not dramatic stuff. Well, I wouldn't mind a little bit drama, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I, you know, some people have like big things that happen. It's like bam! And it was like, my, my walk with God's not like that. Um, I, I find like for me, usually what ends up happening is this influence that begins to happen. And what I do is I find myself over a period of time and it's like I see things differently. And I realize it's because he's been having influence in that area. And the thing is, I didn't intentionally try and change my perspective on something. But what happened was he began to move and change. And he kind of, he, what happens is when he works in my life, the filters of your life start to change all of a sudden. And I look at some stuff and I think, oh, Man, you know, how could I have thought that? How could I have imagined that? How did I see things that way? It was because what he's doing is he's cleaning all the stuff off. Amen. It's important for us to know that we're always staying in that place where we're, we're allowing him to do some stuff in our life. There's a lot of stuffs in that sentence, but because there's so much, but you, you, you get it. As you're sitting there, won't you just close your eyes? And I would ask, just put your hands out. And I'm going to pray for you now and for the week that lies ahead. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence within us. I thank you that you bring with you the fullness and the truth of who Christ is. 
Holy Spirit as we overtly and intentionally go in pursuit of finding his words. As we intentionally look to connect with you in a more meaningful, dynamic, and intimate way. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to have influence in our lives. We open ourselves up to your will. And at this place, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll make us so sensitive to always responding to your invitations. Help us to recognize what needs to be sacrificed so that you can come into that space and birth the life of Christ in there. I want to thank you, Father, for spiritual giants. People who are marked and who are characterized. People who are defined by the very life and the vibrancy, the vitality and the power of God, birthed on the inside of who they are. I thank you that day by day we're stepping into our destiny in a fuller way, that we're being conformed to his image. And I want to thank you that as the, the substance of the spirit of truth becomes resident in us. Our lives change. Our perceptions change. How we live changes. And we're introduced to a dimension of life which can only be defined as abundant living. Holy Spirit, as people get with you this week with the issues that they're facing and challenging, that is challenging them in life, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to meet with them in an intimate and a personal way. Let them know that you're there. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will take the things of the kingdom of truth and replace the fears and the doubts, the limitations and the inhibitions that people have. We bless you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.